Welcome to Rocketship, the podcast where web developers learn the skills and secrets to ship awesome mobile apps. I'm Simon Grimm, creator of Galaxies.dev, and today's guest is Rodrigo Figueroa, who's from Chile, working on a lot of universal React Native application uh, stuff. He's working on a package for Medusa.js, and he also recently released a package around AI. So welcome to the podcast, Rodrigo. Hey, thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I've been uh, generally looking forward to recording this because in your Twitter profile, your your header says building Expo Universal Native Apps in Public. And we, we, we touched on that topic a few times in the past. So I definitely also want to get into Universal Apps and Expo Web and probably how we can combine all of that with Next.js. So that's the, the broad topics of this uh, podcast episode. But I would love to start... Uh, by getting to know you better. So as I said up front, you're kind of a ghost online to me. I couldn't find a lot about you. So how did you actually get into to mobile app development and um, what is your primary job you're, you're currently working on besides all the great packages you do? Yes, yeah, so I'm currently uh, a React Native front-end developer. I started um, the journey with Ruby, really. So from Ruby, I studied on Ooh. New York on the Flatter School. And then when I came back, um, the JS ecosystem was really kicking off. So I ended up finding a JS job. So quickly I turned into uh, JS. I, I worked a couple of years with Vue, really. And at some point mm. uh, there I was working on a dev shop where um, some projects were starting to need mobile development. Um, so I pushed into us using React Native. So that's where I started. So I really started with React Native, um, not React. <laughs> <laughs> it happens a lot that you start from uh, React.js and move into um, further into But it's also not too, not, too, not too uncommon. I've seen this a few times on Twitter where people say, I learned React Native and, and then I got into React. So for myself as well, I. I learned Ionic, which was a different framework, and afterwards I picked up Angular, which was used inside of it. It, uh -huh. it complicates things because you don't really understand what the JavaScript framework is and like where the main thing ends. But did you have any problems picking up React that way, or uh, do you think it's it's a good way into React and React Native? It's a good way. In a good way, it's interesting because, for example, for me, I wanted something different from web because I had been working on web for a couple of years. So whatever your background, if you're picking up React Native, you, you're going to have that, that spark into understanding these new platforms. Um, but I would say it's a bit more complicated React Native than React Web. React Web is simpler in some aspects. So, But in any case, you can still do it, right, as you were saying. So uh, it, it happens that it, at some way or another, you will end up there and it, it's kind of <laughs> right. natural, right? It depends on your background. And what was your was the year when you got into React Native? Uh, was it around twenty fifteen or? Uh, I would say five years ago, something like that. Okay, so still pretty early for React Native. Yeah, yeah, and after that, I worked on a startup that it was interesting because they hired me um, for a React Native position, and on the first day, it was like. Nope, we need React. Uh, something changed. We need React. We need to build up a dashboard uh, with React. So I ended up working a little bit with React and then ended up switching to React Native. 
uh, got to at that time I was working full stack, so I did a little bit of uh, GraphQL at that time. Then switched to the uh, a project which started using Expo for web that was on the beta release, and after that I had. Um, those were two startups in Chile, and after that I moved into working on the U.S. as a contractor um, on my current employer, which is TrueLogic, uh, where I, I've been jumping um, on a couple of projects. One was um, ResiDesk, which was a web and mobile app, so I got to work on both React, again, React JS and React Native. Um, then I was on Riley RD, which is an uh, investment app, alternative investment app, and that was WebJS, I mean ReactJS, and, and now I'm back into React Native. Uh, so it's been a back and forth. So, so in those uh, applications you mentioned for the startups, you said they used React for the web and React Native for mobile. How much, like, or percentage or whatever you want to say, how much of the code was reuse between web and, and mobile. Was there actually some sort of reuse? Yes, yeah, so the thing there is that this stack is uh, a bit of, uh, it's not that known, right? So when, even though you have technical people in the space where in the companies where you're working at, they can, it's hard for them uh, it's hard for them to get in, into understanding that you can use React Native and start sharing on both platforms. So I did that in one company that I had the kind of like I was product owner in a way. It was a small product mm -hmm. and I pushed it forward. But I would say, for example, on big projects, it's uh, uncomprehensible at some point, right? You need to have something, somebody really into the React ecosystem or the React Native ecosystem for them to push it forward. I have seen it more on startups, right? You have projects. Um, I think the uh, the Kick streaming app is using React Native, and you have the Showtime app, which um, you have a team there with Alex that is pushing forward the stack as well. And you have uh, Fernando, right? So little with his mm -hmm. app of, about events. So it's kind of like hardware. It's a small community, and I would say management, and sometimes even the CTOs don't get this stack, so it's hard to share. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, the, the main problem is always that, I mean, the premise is learn once, write everywhere, uh, but, but the main problem is that for, if you build a website with React, you're using div and span and h1, and for React Native, you're using text and view and scroll view, so by default, there's not a lot of code reuse uh, even though it sounds like React Native is just an easy, easy way of React. Um, and so you end up with like uh, one code base, one repository for the website, which is using React.js, and then another repository, which is using React Native, probably Expo. Um, but, but in your cases, you also now try to push the whole Expo web stack forward. So it's just one project with React Native, which then also compiles for the web, right? Yeah, so maybe uh, about that we can touch on Universal Medusa because, well, uh, the people who don't know about it, it's a way for you to write uh, Universal Native apps uh, with React Native and Next as well. And all this on top of Medusa.js, which are headless e-commerce components. So that project was interesting because I saw the starter, the Next.js starter they had, and it was built with... Um, Tailwind, 
Mm-hmm. So at that time, I think I did a side project or something where I used uh, native wind, which is the counterpart uh, React Native side that you can use tail with, uh, on React Native with slight differences because of the platform. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, this could be something that I could do, right? And like uh, what we were just talking about, what if I'm um, on a web app and I want to push into building a universal app? This is 100% doable. So what are the challenges? Um, for a start, for styling, interesting and that you can kind of like port those styles into React Native with slight differences. Mm-hmm. And, and in this case, by using Medusa, it was all headless. So the modules were really uh, modularized and easy to move around and just had to do a, a bit of work into and setting up the providers with slight difference per platform. And at the end, that project was mainly about, again, fixing those styling differences and applying when was needed some differences um, for each platform. So for example, I ended up uh, using the bottom sheet, um, for example, um, for a country select um, option, you would have the mm-hmm. tool, I mean, the the bottom sheet on native and the normal picker for web and things like that. And that was pretty much it. And something that I did learn was uh, I'm getting better at it. I'm doing a second project now. And is that sometimes you need to automate things. How, for example, with code mode. So uh, uh, currently I'm working into a code mode that will pick up some, the styles from web and apply the difference that you need to put them into native, right? Because sometimes it's just adding a flex row. And what happens a lot on the refactoring is that on React Native, you need to, all the text components need to be wrapped in in a text component per se, right? Whereas on web, you can put in some text in a div and you don't need to wrap it into a, a P tag or anything. So there are things that can be automated and you happen to bump into it a lot and they are repetitive. So definitely space to improve into automating some of those things. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I got a lot, of, a lot of questions, a lot to unpack here. But first, uh, I never heard about code mods, to be honest, before. I just quickly looked it up and I found the Next.js documentation. So code mods are transformations that run on your code base programmatically. This allows a large number of changes to be programmatically applied without having to manually go through every file. That sounds, first of all, pretty awesome. And I have never used it before. I think I missed out on a great opportunity, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I did too when building this project, but now I know about it, right? So definitely useful for this case, right? So whenever you find some conditions related to the styles or some child missing within the uh, a view component that has text in it, you can make these changes and accelerate the change. So the other day I did a quick pull on my Twitter asking what it would be the next universal project for me to pick up. And ended up, and I put in some of the um, Vercel AI templates they have. And, uh, and for that project, I'm specifically, which is gonna be a, I think it was the chat agent. I'm gonna pick up on these things and trying to share a little bit in public as to how to better use them, right? To accelerate the process because it also happens that you wanna move quick, right? So I would say for mm-hmm. that, web is the best. It, it's super 
and strong and you have a, a lot of resources then it's a little bit more complicated when you are working on React Native, a little bit slower in a way, and because you have the emulator and some restrictions around the platforms, now you have to toggle between Android and uh, iOS. Um, when you go into universal apps, I'm like switching between the, the three, and if you got a, an error on one, you have to stay there for a while. Um, so it's really needed to for this stack to, for you to move try to catch up and, and, and be fast, right? Yes. And we will, we will talk more about the universal step and uh, problems with universal app development. But I just want to take a step back because uh, we, we, a few minutes ago we, we throw in Medusa.js. And if people are like me, they probably have never heard about Medusa.js. So before we get more into universal Medusa and what it means, could you, could you first explain what Medusa.js actually is in the first place? Because it's, it's not related to Expo or React Native or, or anything, I think. Yeah. To do this pitch, uh, to do a good pitch <laughs> about it, uh, uh, I'm launching the website. So you can learn more about it at medusajs.com. But they are building blocks for digital commerce. Um, what this means is and you have modularized logic like cart, products, order management, and more that help you orchestrate powerful e-commerce websites, but also POS applications, uh, backends, uh, and more. So the interesting thing here is that um, all the logic for you to build an e-commerce app is there. You just need to put in this block together in whatever platform and in whatever use case uh, you need, and all that work is done. So in my case, since the um, the starter was already there with all the logic, uh, I just focus on the front end. For example, uh, I spent like a month working on this, and I almost didn't even touch on the on any of the components or how they were working. And suddenly I had like this really powerful, strong e-commerce working uh, around, the, around me, around what, what I wanted to build. So really easy to kick off e-commerce. It's open source. That's really interesting because uh, it's part of the proposition they have where you can even pick up a, a package, right, and turn it and make it work uh, as you please or push into all the plugins they have, etc. Yeah, so there are two things I notice about Medusa.js right here. The first thing is, uh, right after the first two headlines, it says in very small letters, press S anytime to get started. And if I press S, I get up like this pop-up for getting started with an npx command. So this shows me one thing, Medusa.js seems to be really, really focused on developers and on the nerds actually <laughs> implementing this stuff. And the <laughs> second thing is, that I previously, I think I found somewhere which a line that basically said Medusa.js is like the open source Shopify alternative. Is, is, could that, does it describe Medusa correctly? Yeah, yeah, it does. So at, at the end you have Shopify, with it, which is a beast, right? So, yeah. uh, but the thing is that Medusa is trying to be put into a, put you into a place where you can do whatever you want. Uh, like if you were using Shopify and if you switch into Medusa, you will have the same tools, right? And of course, all the benefits of you owning the stack because it happens a lot with mm -hmm. Shopify. They're moving a little bit into headless right now, but mm -hmm. any plugin, any app you put in on top of your 
uh, e-commerce has a lot of restrictions, right? Uh, you can modify them. You have to kind of like uh, push it too hard to make it work as you want. So that I would say that Medusa is really interesting for projects that want to push it forward. Um, I would say medium to large projects that want to excel into building really amazing e-commerce. And it happens that um, when you want to make that, even though if you are on Shopify, it's interesting to move into Medusa. Uh, starting from the fees, you don't need the fees and you could invest <laughs> all that money into your own stack and other benefits. So yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I guess I, I, I think I once did like a Shopify star, but just for, for fun. And I don't know if Shopify is taking like a percentage of my revenue as well, or if they just have this fixed fee. I guess Medusa doesn't have any of that. So if I set up my Medusa store and it's open source, Medusa is not taking any cut of my money and my revenue. No, not at all. Uh, okay, yeah, so that's cool. I mean, it's more work. There's always more work involved if you manually set this up and configure the server and make everything work, that everything's secure. But um, did you use Medusa personally or at work because I never came across Medusa and it, it looks really really good to be honest but I'm just curious how, how you got in touch with Medusa in the first place yeah I really don't know <laughs> could have been a, a tweet like like dumb scrolling and finding it somehow yeah because I'm not into the um, business scope of e-commerce as well right? that's funny but I found it interesting <laughs> Yeah, and it's a small project compared to um, how Shopify is viewed and the community Shopify has. But it's really interesting that they are just growing, right? And being little and being such a powerful project, they just have space to grow. I mean, they have twenty k stars on GitHub. That's that's still a, a pretty good start. I don't know how long they've <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty legit. Um, so how, how did you come up with the idea for Universal Medusa then? Did you just like find Medusa and think uh, and thought, I need a, a side project, what can I do? Let's, let's do a funny thing on top of Medusa or <laughs> what was the, the idea behind it? No, really the idea behind it is uh, what we mentioned at the beginning is how do you make a project that is only web-based, push it into a Universal stack? So I, I think there's a lot of... Uh, mm, I would say even people get a little bit scared about it, like and it seems impossible, but it's really easy. I mean, it's achievable and it was uh, about me seeing that it was an interesting project to put it into the universal stack uh, without knowing too much about it, um, having being acquainted about the styling. And that is something any web developer developer can relate to, right? Because if you are using Tailwind styles, um, and you need to make this port, you are halfway there. You need to understand a little bit the differences between the platform. Um, at the same time, because of headless, um, moving into React Native was super easy because at the end you have a different type of providers like the card providers and others that sit on top. It's the same paradigm of context sharing. And after that, uh, while well, using this time around the, the Solito stack, um, since the starter was with Next.js, that there was a compatibility layer there. Um, so I would say if you have a team and want to move forward into making this change, it's super fast. For me, it was a side project. Uh, I started slowly and accelerated at the end because I get, 
uh, got into uh, nights and weekend program which is from build space and then i had like probably a couple uh, three three weeks pushing it forward uh, really hard uh, and then i ended up launching so again the idea why i picked it is like uh, you can pick up on any project but if you see some things that start to match into making the transition easier i went for it yeah that's uh, that's pretty cool and i think um, you did a great job with Universal Medusa. If I check out the documentation, it's it's really well documented at this point. Um, for for a, I mean for a small side project that you just did for fun. So um, I understand Medusa JS backend component had less stuff. Um, Universal Medusa the setup is as far as I understand a Bono repository with a Next application and then a React Native application which is using Expo. Um, how does or how well does this stack work together? Because I've talked to other React Native developers before. Some didn't really like Expo Web. I mean, okay, we're not using Expo Web here, but this whole setup of like Bono Repo, Next.js, React Native, Solito, is it really complicated or does it sound more challenging than it actually is? Well, I, I would say that, yeah, the Mono Repo at the complexity is that you don't know the, the technology, right? So probably you haven't worked on a monorepo before. Uh, there are things that sit on top of it that uh, are problems that are sometimes a different type of debugging that you have, uh, haven't encountered before. But to be honest, after you get the hang of it, it, it's easier, right? So sometimes you need to transpile some packages, make sure when you're picking up uh, React Native components that they have uh, they are available for web, so that is super easy. You can get into the React Native directory web page and filter through packages that have web compatibility. Sometimes you're gonna miss packages that have the web compatibility and there's uh, docs on the solito.dev website that show you how to manage that. So all in all, it's a bit more, a slight, uh, um, slightly more dif uh, different and a bit harder, but after you push into the stack, it's it it, it doesn't these errors doesn't or these problems doesn't show up often. Mm -hmm. So um, he said you you still use Expo Web in that case. I mean, how does it exactly work? Because if I picture a Next.js application, usually I have my my own routes in the Next.js application, and I'm not really sharing anything with React Native. So so how does the setup in, in this case work? Like how does Expo and the, the Expo project actually affect the uh, next web project? Yeah, so good question because uh, there's only one difference here. When you, for example, like are creating a new screen or feature, which is the routing, right? Um, yeah. But at that point, uh, I tried to make that match as well because we have the same paradigm. You have... Uh, next, uh, this time, page router with Expo router, which also is file-based. So when you start to create the component and you have the difference about the routing, they are almost uh, super alike. So you won't have, won't find uh, any problem um, applying it. So you, you do have a different routing for each platform. But that's it, because if you take a look at the project and you move into the next directory, I mean, the next workspace, in this case being a monorepo, and then switch back to, into Expo, 
they are just placeholders for the screen. So you have the navigation, you import that screen, which is on the monorepo on the on another package, right? And you just import it, the screens. So at the end, you have to figure out the slight difference between how to handle the file route based uh, setup. And that's it. You have a React native component that will later on compile to web and on, Re on the React native side, it will stay as it is. No. Yeah, I'm, I just checked it out. I installed it with NPX Create Universal Medusa app. I mean, it's, it's still taking place. I don't know what it's doing, but <laughs> it's uh, probably yeah, setting up something. This definitely looks interesting. I, I just saw how you import uh, like these shared components in the views. I'm just curious in in like in which place or where where does Solito come into this? Because I always hear about Solito, but I honestly <clears throat> I haven't haven't seen it in action. So how does Solito unify the the routing, um, or why is it actually needed? Because as you said, Expo Router and and Next Routing is already pretty similar. So so why do we need Solito at all? Yeah. So you have the there's some. Uh, clarifications where you have the Solito stack where they, uh, Fernando have been putting more things on top into the stack, right? So you have like this universal image handling. Um, so, so you have the routing itself um, and other things. So about the routing, uh, I think you use the API, right? Uh, of the Solito router, which at the end it's kind of like it's baked in, in the back to be used with React Navigation as well as the next navigation. So that library will kind of like filter through and make it work on both types of projects. And that's pretty much it. It's an API that it's unifying how you route and go, uh, whether you are on an X project or you are on, a, on an expert project. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely need to explore the repository. I, it's still okay now. It's trying to install Postgres. I don't want to do this right now. But um, I already, with your command, created a bunch of files and apps. And even if I am not interested in in Medusa, just seeing the setup and how you created the the Mono repository here is definitely something I can recommend all people um, to check out. So I will put a link in the show notes to. Uh, universal Medusa, so people can can see it in action as well. Um, coming coming back to this, um, do you think this is currently the best stack we have for universal apps? Um, so I mean the React Native Next.js Solito setup, or do you think um, just React Native and maybe Expo for the web uh, uh, could be enough? I think where this is going is where Ivan Bacon is pushing it with the router, with Expo Router, because um, you have less complexity. So for example, the other day I was trying out this new project that came out from Geeky Ants, which is Gluestack. Mm -hmm. And it's a UI library, and I was just testing out if, if this worked with Expo, Expo, and Expo Router, mm -hmm. and the the bundle that spits out the Metro Metro 
to see how, how web was working on, on it. Uh, and it was working great. So it happens sometimes that um, Tamaguit's a great project, it's smaller, uh, and that wasn't working, right? But we're getting, but uh, I've heard that they are working on it, Nate is working on it with the team. So I think the stack is gonna move into a place where it's gonna be easier to develop, and that means having just, uh, at least for me, having staying on React Native side, and using Expo Router to navigate and for Metro Bundler to speed out the the web app as well. Uh, you stay there, right? Less complexity, le less code. Um, but I would say that sometimes people do need the advantages of having Next.js, right? It's a really robust uh, project. Um, on the port that I did write, it was already Next, so it makes sense to stay there. But I would say probably uh, in the upcoming month or years, this will, this will unify with Exporoder as of you staying on the React Native app. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw some proposals from Evan as well for uh, the Exporoder version 3, which then introduces API routes. So um, this is definitely going to be interesting. A lot of people are like, what? I can have API routes in React Native? I mean... You still need to deploy it, and it's going to be a bit more challenging. It's not that easy, um, but just the ability of having also now API routes within my React Native app would make things a lot easier, even if I had to deploy it somewhere. So I, I really hope that Expo is pushing forward the whole Expo router idea and Expo web. Yeah, that, that will definitely happen. And another thing for you to stay on, on, on the ecosystem and the ecosystem bringing you some things that you need to build on the side, right? As you were saying, like API for for any project, you you do have to push into the API, and yeah, and it's definitely so needed. It sounds like you used um, native wind in Universal Medusa. Um, you just checked out GlueStack UI, and you also said you you gave Tamagoy a try. Um, just just out of curiosity, which of these three did you enjoy the most working with? or which of these does work best for, for the whole universal uh, app development with React Native? Yeah, so I would say uh, that Native Win uh, needs some of the conveniences that uh, Tamagui and Gluestack have. Uh, that is to say, it's just the core, so you don't have on the UI buttons, tooltips, uh, select, uh, uh, all the rest of the components that these other libraries have. So you are more bare bones building all these things. And it's a blocker sometimes because you just want to move fast and every time you need to find a solution for these common things, you are stuck. We don't have the Radix uh, UI for native, but probably or maybe not anymore because if you compare what uh, Tamagui and Gluestack are doing, they are the Radix of React Native. It's only that they are kind of like adding a little bit more on top of it, right? But as of now, I think Radix now do have the UI. So th these things are evolving and changing. Uh, I think it's an interesting experiment to use Native Wing, the upcoming V3 version, on top of maybe some of these comp uh, libraries to pick up these uh, missing features. So that's native win missing those things, um, and you can move way quicker with Tamagui and Gluestack, to be honest. 
because the components okay. are there. For example, I did build at some point a library with uh, the previous version of Bluestack, which is native base. And mm -hmm. I got stuck with the styles and pushed it into the unstyled version and kept, still kept on moving really fast because I have all the constructs and the primitives there for me to keep on building uh, faster. And between Tamagui and Gluestack, you know, I, I will go with Tamagui because Nate has been doing some great job. The project looks super strong. It's been there for a while. And Gluestack is the new kid on the block. And mm -hmm. They have just released the first version. And, and I think Nate deserves for us to push and Tamagui forward. Yeah, I, I had Nate on the yeah. podcast uh, a few weeks ago. He's a great guy. Um, I really love Tamagui as well and what he's been doing. Um, Gluestack also, I think they learned a lot from, from their previous version. So I tried native base in the past as well. And it felt somewhat, I don't know, what's the word, like clumsy or something. Um, and I think they, they wanted to do a lot of things better and do it lighter and probably also learn from Tamagui. I mean, it's not a shame to, to copy other libraries and just keep pushing forward. It's the same that Swells and Vue and React, everyone's doing this in Next.js. Like they all copy each other and remakes in Next.js and... Uh, at the end, we, we just keep <laughs> moving forward. And, yeah. Just yesterday, I talked to my friend Simon. Uh, with uh, I had a podcast with him before, and he was totally raving about HTMX and how now the server is again returning HTML instead of JSON, and that it's all just HTML. And <laughs> we're, we're just coming back like full circle 20 years now. <laughs> it happens, the full circle thing. Yeah, yeah, it happens, it happens. So, uh, yeah, but I'm also looking forward to, I think, native wind version 4. I think it's already version 4 coming up. Um, I saw uh, Mike Mike Lawler, I think, is working on it at Expo. He's also working for Expo. Uh, and I saw something where he added, like, tailwind animations, but using reanimated automatically under the hood. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about native wind 4. I think you had a tweet just the other day. Did you try already an alpha of native wind 4? <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty, guilty. Uh, <laughs> I pick it up. It's an alpha, but you can run it. And I was, yeah, so you have uh, uh, variables for setting up the theme. Um, you have uh, a lot of uh, missing components related to how native, uh, I mean, how Tailwind.js works that the counterpart didn't have. So, for example, uh, I want to share, I think I'm going to share this week uh, my setup because what I did was pick up on ShotCN UI um, library, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a default and... Uh, um, and really interesting library, but it's for web, right? Um, so I ended up picking up all the setup that Shatian did for for how to push, create the components. So you have a lot of variable setup and different things related to also using the CVA library for having variants and and other things, but at the end, I ended up running and having the same component that that library has with the variants running on React Native. So at the end, with before, you will have that. So I'm gonna be, it's gonna be a, a big leap forward um, to to make Native Win more attractive, right? Got to roll back on this. That was my fault. Actually, we're currently at native wind version 2, and the upcoming is version 3. So you've been right all along. It was my mistake. Upcoming version is native wind 3. Uh, no, 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 you're correct. <laughs> the, the, the thing is that I think Nate was building v3, and he got stuck, and he, he kind of like dismissed v3. 
So there's like uh, that I also forget sometimes that we are on before now. <laughs> oh, that's a nice trick as well. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and, and, and to wrap this up, I mean, that's the general problem of Tailwind. There are like no pre-made components. So that's why I purchased Tailwind UI like years ago because you get like tons of examples all made with Tailwind and you just need to drop it in. So uh, probably at some point we just need Tailwind UI for native wind or so it's basically native wind UI. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe that's the next project for you <laughs> to develop components for React Native based on Tailwind, like cards and buttons and stuff. Yeah, it will happen with, before the community. Me, if I can help, for sure. Uh, it's going to push the project. It's a great project. Yeah, th that's the thing. I mean, Tailwind on the web is, is so dominant and so popular that it just, like, eventually it will make its way into React Native as well and, and people will use it because, yeah. But it's, it's, it's a problem. So speaking personally as a content creator, I don't know if I create a tutorial for React Native, which, which styling library to use? Like everyone's using their own flavor. There's React Native paper or material, and then there's native base. Now we got glue stick, we got Tamagui. And they're not just like a tiny bit different. I mean, they have like rows and, and Y stack and X stack, and your whole React Native application looks different if I use it. So I decided that for now I just use style sheet because it's like the the most basic thing. It's probably not the best, but it's the most basic thing to do. So. Yeah, the whole whole styling landscape of, of React Native. Um, More it, fragmented. It feels like we're, yeah, fragmented, perfect. That's the perfect word, <laughs> right. So hopefully this will get better in the future. Um, before we wrap up, I have another question uh, about a project you've been now working on, uh, which is around AI, actually. Uh, I saw you tweet or put out a few tweets, um, something about React Native versus AI. So everything with Vercel is, of course, always interesting these days. Um, and to be honest, I haven't checked out what Vercel is doing with AI. So uh, could you share what, what React Native Vercel AI is, is about? Like, what, what is this package and what can we do with that package? Sure. So Vercel released this package that uh, it's called AI. So you can run NPX AI uh, install on it. Is it just AI? Yeah, they got the name. They did it. They did it. Oh, that must be expensive. Yeah. So the thing is that it's becoming super popular. You know, like Vercel by being attached to Next is uh, they lead in a way the the web space. And this project, I think, it has sixty thousand downloads a week, which is a lot. Crazy. And it helps you to build AI apps. They have, I think they have a, it's called, it's a, if you search for Vercel AI SDK, you will find all the documentation. But at mm -hmm. the end, when you are on a Vercel API route, you have a lot of convenience to stream back the components. And on the mm. client side, you have also utilities like use chat, use completion that connect between the two, right? They are connected together. And you can spin up really easily AI apps, right? And the thing about this project is like I said, okay, let's run this package on React Native and it exploded, right? It wasn't working for, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't working for a lot of reasons. The biggest one is that uh, the Fetch API, it's incompatible with streaming. The Fetch mm -hmm. API, React Native has, 
Uh, this is streaming looks like it's not a priority because there are some issues on GitHub where this is from 2020 and it hasn't haven't moved from there. So long story short, we don't have streaming. There are other ways to stream, right? You have servers and um, events um, for you to make this work between the server and your React Native co uh, client side app. But my take was, for example, the other day, uh, I follow the development of a React Native app that it's called Super Chat. Forgot the name of the developer. And it's, it's an app that works great. It doesn't have streaming, but it's beautif beautifully designed. It's built with React Native. You feel that there's a lot of work put into it and it just works and I use it and it doesn't have streaming. And the other day I saw a, a demo from Meta when they were using this character AI setup. I mean, demo to showcase you could talk with different characters and the UX pattern was not using streaming, right? Um, so at the end on mobile, you can kind of like skip the streaming. Um, it's, uh, it's not the best option, but it works. And for me, how I saw it was, what if I want to build a universal app? If I, I'm already attached to Vercel and all the great tools they use, I can use this package. So it's kind of like moves you away from building universal apps, right? So what I did was do, what this package does is you spin up your universal app, which can be just an expo project. You install the library and you have use chat and use completion. And what it will do is you will have streaming on web and you will have a fallback of getting back a response, the complete response back without streaming on mobile. So you can spin up the package, set up your Vercel AI route. Um, there's a slight difference how you return, whether you set up this to return the streaming or not, depending if you are on mobile. And that's it. You, you can still be building uh, universal AI apps. Um, slight degraded performance, but it still works. And, 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 and if your app works, uh, you can figure it out later, right? And push into servers and events later on. Uh, so that is the idea to make it easier for universal developers to use the Vercel AI package. That's awesome. Uh, that's really awesome. And people seem to really like this as the repository has 50 stars already. And I think you just released it like a couple of days or uh, weeks ago. So congratulations on some, some early success with, with that. People, people just love AI Thanks. stuff lately. And uh, if you can make it easier, yeah, of course, AI and Vercel, a lot of people are going to use this and eventually people want to build apps. So uh, if you want to build an app with AI, check out React Native Vercel AI, which will definitely make your life easier um, to include AI. I just looked it up. Uh, it looks really, really simple, um, but also really powerful if I want to use this for my app. So um, thank you, Rodrigo, for, for all these packages you've been working on. Uh, I always enjoy it because you're not really getting paid for, you're not getting paid for Universal Medusa, you're not getting paid for React Native Vercel AI, but you're just... Uh, out of curiosity and, and because you enjoy doing it, create these packages which then help other people. So uh, thank you for all the efforts you put into the community. Yeah. Thanks for that, Simon. And um, to wrap it up, where can people find out more about you if they're interested in, in you and what you're doing? Yeah, so I will leave my Twitter handle on the notes for the project is 
twitter.com slash Vita. It's an acronym for Bartu in the house, an old nickname I had. So it's easier <laughs> if I leave it on the notes. But you can find me there. Yeah, my, Twitter is my hub, central hub. So I, I try to, as you were saying about my banner, um, lately after uh, the nights and weekend pass, I try to share more in public and um, share what I'm doing there. So that will be where you can find me. Awesome. Yeah, I'm already following you and I'm excited to see what's coming up also for Universal Medusa or also uh, if you're developing any other Universal packages in the future. Um, if you want to learn more about React Native, you can, of course, as always, check out galaxies.dev where I host my courses or uh, definitely subscribe to the podcast wherever you're currently listening. We also have a feed on YouTube in case you prefer that, but we also have Spotify, Apple and all the other places, so make sure you stay subscribed for the upcoming episodes. Um, so, until next time, and thanks, Rodrigo, for joining me today. Thank you, Simon. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>